Welcome to The Gaggle, an AZ Central podcast where we chat with reporters, experts, and special guests to keep you fully informed on the state's political news. I'm your host, Yvonne Winget Sanchez. I cover national politics for the Arizona Republic. And I'm Ron Hansen, also a national reporter for the Republic. In today's episode, we're taking a look at the upcoming legislative session. That session begins on January 11th. We'll break down what to expect with the newly elected legislators, and we'll look at how battles fought in 2020 will spill over into this year. Joining us in today's episode are reporters Maria Paletta and Andrew Oxford. And before we dive in, Andrew, can you just sort of give us a breakdown of what the political makeup of the legislature looks like after the November election? Uh, in some ways, it looks a lot like it did last year. Republicans held on to their majorities in the House and the Senate. Rusty Bowers is still Speaker. Karen Fan is still Senate President. But Republicans have a slightly narrower majority in the Senate than they did last year. The chamber will be split 16-14 you know, instead of 17-13, and that's due to Kate Brophy-McGee losing her seat. That signals, too, how the Senate Republican caucus has also shifted. It has moved further to the right with Kate Brophy-McGee's defeat, Heather Carter's defeat in the primary. And you've got you know, Nancy Bardo, Wendy Rogers, and Warren Peterson joining the Senate. So in some ways, it's a more conservative Senate, even if the Democrats have a larger minority. You know, meanwhile, the House is still split 31-29 like it was last year. It has a tight margin, but there's disunity in both caucuses. As we record this, Arizona, for the second time now, has the highest known coronavirus infection rate on the planet. How are legislators going to safely convene in the chamber? And is the pandemic going to change their ability to meet? Yeah, I don't know that you can do it safely, but they're going to do it. Uh, the Senate, for example, will require everyone wear masks in rooms with more than one person. And you know that means on the floor of the Senate, too. Um, it, it wasn't clear initially if the Senate would even go that far. But I think there's been a recognition that you know, whether or not legislators even believe in the coronavirus, and plenty simply don't think it's a real concern. Uh, you know, it's not just them at the Capitol, right? There are staff, there are members of the public, of course. Some members are more at risk due to age or health conditions. Uh, and some legislators have gotten COVID-19 and been very ill. So in order for the place to function at all, they had to do something. So there are some precautions like that and temperature checks on entrance. Um, I'd expect to see a lot of lawmakers also participating remotely when possible um, so they aren't on the floor of the chamber. So they're going to be working, many of them, at least against the backdrop of a pretty physically potentially lethal uh, building. What sort of issues do you think we're going to see both the House and the Senate take up? Yeah, I mean, the world's changed a lot since they last met, you know, and, and I think COVID will obviously demand a lot of attention. Uh, maybe not in the way folks would expect, though. The governor's handling of the pandemic has obviously frustrated Democrats. It's frustrated Republicans. But I, I don't see a clear alternative approach emerging from the Capitol. So I'd expect to see the legislature work on, for example, shoring up the fund that pays unemployment insurance claims, uh, maybe work on liability protections. Uh, several Republicans support actually ending the emergency order the governor issued at the start of the pandemic, which would end restrictions on businesses and the like. Uh, but it's, it's not clear 
what would fill the void left by those policies, if anything. And I don't think there's enough support for that among Republicans. You know, Democrats have backed increasing the size of unemployment insurance payments. Uh, Arizona's payments are very low compared to other states, and they've supported extending tenant protections, for example. But yeah, I don't see a ton of support for that among Republicans, right? So, uh, you know, besides COVID, I, I'd also expect to hear a lot, maybe even more than you hear about COVID, about the last election. Um, expect to see, you know, legislation that will change how Arizonans can vote, change how votes are counted, and make it harder to put propositions on the ballot. You know, after all, not only did President Trump lose Arizona, but Propositions 207 and 208 passed. Those are both policies that the legislature would not have approved. Uh, and we know they don't like voters going around them. Maria, 2020 was a tough year for the governor. In July, 63% of Arizonans polled said they disapproved of how Doug Ducey was managing the COVID-19 outbreak. And in some ways, Arizona's COVID numbers are worse today than they were back then. How will Ducey's handling of the pandemic impact this legislative session? Well, again, he's definitely drawn criticism from Arizonans and lawmakers of all stripes, from those who believe he could be doing much more to protect Arizonans to those who feel he's already overstepped his authority in implementing mitigation measures. His earlier stay-at-home order in particular really heightened tensions between the governor and some conservative lawmakers who promised their constituents they would get them back to work quickly or as soon as possible. Um, as Andrew mentioned, some of those legislators have since moved to curtail Ducey's executive powers, and a committee has actually been established to clarify the governor's statutory authority when crises or disasters drag on, as the pandemic has. Some on the right want to give the legislature much broader power to intervene in those situations, while there are some other lawmakers who basically want to cement certain executive powers so that governors have the ability to act quickly and decisively in emergencies. Then I would say there's also the question of Ducey, excuse me, of whether Ducey will use his veto power on bills proposed by some of these legislators who've publicly and aggressively criticized him, assuming those bills reach his desk. If you remember a couple of years ago, he vetoed 10 bills, I believe, in an attempt to force the legislature to pass a budget and push through his teacher pay raise plan. So just to remind our listeners, the governor continues to face um, criticism from those in the far right of his own party. He's been criticized for certifying uh, President-elect Joe Biden's win here in Arizona. He continues to be on the receiving end of pretty intense criticism by uh, two members of Congress, uh, Andy Biggs, a Republican, and Paul Gosar also a Republican, as well as state Republican leader Kelly Ward, who uh, may hang on to her position with the state GOP, which uh, continues to give her a pretty big platform, not just locally, but nationally when it comes to um, criticizing um, the governor and other more moderate Republicans. So how does this tug of war between the far right and the more moderate branch of the party play out in the legislature? And how do you foresee the governor navigating that in this upcoming session? 
Well, he doesn't really have the political standing for big legacy projects right now. So I think there are a couple of ways this could play out. And in my opinion, it largely depends on the agenda that he lays out in his State of the State address coming up later this month. Two of the only sure things legislation-wise, as Andrew mentioned, are pandemic-related bills and election-related bills. If Ducey's agenda ends up heavily focusing on pandemic relief, he could maybe find allies in coalitions of more moderate Republicans and Democrats. Those types of alliances haven't really been needed in recent years with Republicans dominating the legislature. But with the level of splintering uh, you described or that we're seeing happening within the GOP, that could change. Now, that said, the governor could still find some pandemic-related common ground with harder-right Republicans if he supports their effort to expand those business liability protections Andrew mentioned. If the governor's agenda ends up including some more red meat issues unrelated to the pandemic, I think those items could still succeed with different types of Republicans unless this becomes an all-out anti-Ducey-at-all-cost session. That's certainly possible, but it does seem somewhat unlikely to me because even though a lot of lawmakers are upset with the governor, he does still have allies in the legislature, even though they may not be as loud <laughs> as some of his opponents. For example, House Speaker Rusty Bowers uh, internally told lawmakers they were effectively powerless to change the results of the November election, which indirectly backed up Ducey's certification of the results. And Senator-elect T.J. Shope is another key voice who's publicly supported Ducey. Um, I don't see Ducey completely shifting to the hard right a la Kelly Ward despite this split and despite his past support of President Trump during his re-election campaign. So I, I would be surprised if the governor played ball on some of these more extreme election-related bills we're sure to see. Well, Maria and Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Happy New Year. Thanks for being part of the gaggle. Uh, before you head out, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter at mpoletta. That's M-P-O-L-L-E-T-T-A. And I'm at Andrew B. Oxford. All right, listeners, let's dive into some afterthoughts. Yvonne, this really sort of begins the final phase of Doug Ducey's term as governor with this new legislature that he'll be working with. It's more conservative, as Andrew noted, in some ways. It's also coming at a time when Washington, D.C. is sort of in transition, uh, ending the Trump era and shifting to the Biden era. This just feels like uh, we really kind of entered into this period of of greater uncertainty and, and tumult. What do you make of of Doug Ducey as one who saw him at the outset of his political career to the the governor that we see today as he enters this final two year stretch? So it's been a an interesting uh, evolution of I think the governor's sort of political career and perhaps ambitions here in Arizona. If our listeners recall, we've really sort of seen him evolve from um, entering the gubernatorial stage in 2013 during um, the earliest days of his campaign uh, through the 2014 campaign to his 2015 inauguration as this pro-business, moderate, reasonable, pragmatic Republican who was going to invest in some of the same sort of priorities that Democrats cared about, but was also going to do whatever he could to 
um, keep the the business industry and the special in, special interest industries um, or interests um, happy. So that came down to issues like school choice, uh, you know, tax breaks. Um, uh, these freedom schools at the state universities. And he started out very kind of anti-Trumpish in the 2015 and 2016 presidential campaign. And now we've seen him evolve into an all-in Trump uh, supporter who is being castigated by the president. So watching this evolution has been certainly interesting. I think he clearly is hoping to take... Um, a page from his pro-business, pragmatic sort of leader playbook from his earlier days and try to take that uh, to the Republican Governors Association and build a brand for himself there. It'll be interesting to see um, how that translates here in Arizona and whether or not it helps him um, in his final days as governor here in, in Arizona. It seems to me that the people who have elected him and have watched him over the last six or seven years or so already have such a clear opinion of him. And depending on what that opinion is, if you're a state lawmaker, um, it's it, it could be difficult for him to achieve some of these more meaningful agenda items that Maria sort of alluded to. I think will also be interesting to see how uh, some of these more conservative state lawmakers behave during this session um, with some of his priorities and whether we even have a full session at all. So we know some members of Congress, conservatives in particular, want to see some liability protections for businesses when it comes uh, to COVID. Do you sense uh, that there will be any sort of uh, efforts afoot here in Arizona specifically to try to make that happen, given uh, Congress's sort of stalled and unsuccessful efforts on that front? Yeah, they might be thinking about it, but it's it's really unclear at this point where the governor wants to go and, and how far the legislature is willing to support him on anything COVID related. That kind of uh, litigation shield might be popular uh, with the conservatives at the state house. But it's also unclear how much the governor wants to, you know, really push that kind of an agenda at the moment. You know, you can't really overstate it enough to say that what happens in Georgia this week with the Senate election there really is going to affect the Biden administration's efforts on all fronts, but most immediately on the COVID front what Congress will do, how much relief they will be willing to take up any additional sort of new avenues that they might want to address, all of that really is kind of hanging in the balance there. And it's going to ripple out to all the states, including Arizona, as they contemplate what they want to uh, uh, tackle on this front. And really, for the governor, it seems like it's a moment to sort of just stand pat and see what happens in Georgia before you really show your hand. All right. Well, that is it for today, Gaggle listeners. While we still have you, please don't forget to rate and review our show and share it with a friend. We have seen some new reviews come in and we're liking what we're seeing. If you want to reach out to me on Twitter, I'm at Yvonne Winget. And I'm at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Today's episode was edited and produced by Maritza Dominguez with oversight from Katie O'Connell. Thanks so much for listening to The Gaggle, a podcast from the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com.
We'll see you next week.